It's a great story, isn't it? It's one of the classics. An impossible task becomes an amazing miracle, perhaps more amazing than we know, given the widespread food insecurity in that time and place. Remember what the Lord's Prayer says about food? Give us this day our daily bread? Exactly. Though they lived under the control of one of the most powerful empires in history, having a reliable, reliable access to a sufficient uh, quantity of affordable, nutritious food was unusual for the common people of Israel. To be able to eat until you were full was virtually unheard of. As for having food left over, well, that just didn't happen. An amazing miracle indeed. It is a great story. And yet, from the get-go, things could have turned out differently. Remember how the story began? Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. That sentence should raise a couple of questions for you. What had Jesus heard? What prompted him to withdraw and go to a remote place? If you look back to the beginning of this chapter, and feel free to pull out your Bibles and do just that, um, it's chapter 14 in Matthew. We find a rather grisly story, the story of the murder of John the Baptist at the hands of the puppet king Herod Antipas. I won't go into details right now, but the circumstances of John's death were shocking, and I have no doubt that Jesus was deeply affected by the news of this, his passing. Not only had he lost a beloved mentor, but Herod's act was an indication that Jesus himself might be in danger. Out of that, Jesus' own conflict with the local religious authorities and the rejection of his ministry by the people of his hometown of Nazareth. And it seems clear to me that Jesus just really needed to get away, to rest and pray and regroup. And so at daybreak, he takes to the water, traveling with his disciples in a boat, crossed along the Sea of Galilee to a remote, deserted area where they could be alone or so they thought. At this point in his ministry, large crowds are following Jesus wherever he goes, eager to hear him speak and to experience healing at his hands. And someone spots Jesus and his disciples in that boat, and they tell another person, another person, another person, and pretty soon a whole lot of people start to follow that boat, running along the shore as it moves through the water. And when Jesus arrives at his destination, he finds the people waiting. At this point, he could have said, that's it. I can't do this anymore. It's too dangerous, and I need a bake. I'm throwing in the towel. But Jesus doesn't. Instead, Matthew tells, you, tells us that he had compassion on the people. The Greek word that we translate as compassion indicates a feeling of pain deep in one, one's gut. Jesus does not just feel sorry for these folks. He felt their anxiety, their suffering, their great need. Elsewhere in Matthew, it is said that Jesus had compassion on the crowds because they were like, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I dare say we've all felt that way at one time or another. Anxious, lost, uncertain which way to turn or what we should do. 
And at times like that, it's good to have people, to have friends and family who will recognize our need and reach out to help us. Even so, Jesus could have said to the crowd, I'm sorry, folks, but I just don't have it in me today. Come back another time. But he doesn't. Instead, Jesus looks at the people looking at him, feels their need, and is moved to help. All day long, he lays hands on the sick, prays for the grieving, blesses the children, and teaches those who hang on his every word. Finally, finally, his weary disciples break in. Lord, send these folks away so that they can make their way to the villages and buy food. It's a logical request. Everyone's tired and hungry. It's getting late, and there just aren't any restaurants close by. Surely it's time to bring this to a close. He could have said, you know, that makes sense. I'll do it. But Jesus doesn't. Instead, he looks at his disciples and said, they don't have to go away. You can feed them. His disciples must have looked at Jesus like he'd grown two heads. Master, all we have between us are are five loaves of bread and two fish. Clearly, they have barely enough food to feed themselves, let alone the vast crowd that stood there waiting. At this point, Jesus could have said, you're right, I don't know what I was thinking, or that's all you have? Why weren't you better prepared? But Jesus doesn't. Instead, he says, bring what you have to me. He takes the bread, blesses, and breaks it, then does the same with the fish. And at that point, he could have said, all right, everybody line up. I'll hand this food out to you. But he doesn't. Instead, he gives the food to the disciples, trusting them with the distribution. He could have said to the crowd, if you want food, you have to meet certain standards. But he didn't. Instead, the disciples walked among the people, handing chunks of bread and pieces of fish to anxious parents and wiggly children, to elderly widows and young mothers, to village leaders and restless teenagers, to anyone and everyone, all 5,000 plus, plus, plus people. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. What a contrast this impromptu picnic poses to Herod's birthday dinner. Whereas Herod's guest list included the wealthy and the powerful, the guests at this meal were poor and sick and hungry. Whereas Herod's dinner ended in shock and deceit and death, this meal ended with abundance and grace and life. Whereas Herod's actions only served to highlight his weakness, Jesus' actions revealed the presence and power of God. They also disclosed the heart of God, a heart so compassionate, so loving, that it values each and every person, no matter who they are, and seeks to ensure that all are healed, all are whole, all are fed. Well, the feeding of 5,000 people plus certainly counts as a miracle. 
In a way, though, the most amazing thing about it may not be the feeding itself. The real miracle may be, as David Lose writes, that Jesus, because of his, both his compassion for those around him and his trust in God, saw possibilities where the disciples only saw limitations. He takes what is there, gives thanks, and gives it away, trusting that God will find it to be enough. Do you realize how much of a miracle that is? We may talk about loaves and fishes at a potluck, but we don't quite believe it, at least not in real life. Like the disciples, we spend most of our time taking inventory of what we don't have, unable to look beyond the not enoughs. Not enough money, not enough members, not enough volunteers, not enough time, not enough talent, not enough you name it. And as we focus on our limitations, we fail to see new possibilities. What would happen if we turned that around? What would happen if we took inventory of what we do do have and decided that it was enough? What if we trusted that no matter how meager our resources or how small our numbers or how misguided or confused we seem to be, that God is able to bless and use what we have to make a difference? What if we let compassion take the lead and dared to see just how far God could take what we have to offer? A few years ago, Don and I had the privilege of taking part in a couple of work teams that went to Mississippi to help with the recovery after Hurricane Katrina. You remember Katrina? 2005, it devastated uh, areas like Mississippi and Louisiana and so many other places. Um, Even three years, we went in 2008 uh, and 2009, and even after three or four years, the devastation was just unbelievable. Um, Our first work team was 30 or 40 in numbers, pretty sizable, so we could split up and work in several places. But our second team was made up of only nine people. We didn't have a lot of experience, and we didn't have a lot of money, And you had to wonder what such a small group could do in the face of such huge devastation. Well, we learned that we could sand, and we could caulk, and we could paint. And that was enough. As small as we were, it was enough because we made a difference, all the difference in the world, for one woman who, after three years, was finally going to be able to move out of her FEMA trailer and into a house, the house that we worked on. And it was, in its way, a little miracle. And it gave us such joy, such joy. When Jesus told the disciples that they should feed 5,000 people, they couldn't believe what they heard. He could have said, you're right, you can't do it. But he didn't. Instead, he said, bring what you have to me. And then he blessed and gave it back to them. And it was enough, more than enough. Jesus could look at us, too, and say, I'm sorry, that's just not enough. But he doesn't. 
he looks at us with compassion in his eyes and says, bring what you have to me. Bring it to me and I will bless it and give it back to you full of abundant blessings and love and grace for you to share. May we trust in that promise and in all the possibilities that it holds. Amen.